0: You're listening to episode 161 of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives.
1: I'm back everyone, sorry about that. I'm back from corporate. Turns out I'm getting a big fancy promotion. Big fancy corner office with a nice view of the city, big fancy desk, toe massages every day, Pete's been fired, it's great. Toe massages? Toe massages, yeah. I never knew it was a thing, but you know, us big wigs, we love toe massages apparently.
2: Wait. You're telling me Pete's been spending all this time being stressed and he's been getting toe massages?
1: No, he wasn't a big corporate guy.
2: <laughs> oh I see. How who did you take the job from then?
1: Because uh, I'm took, still here. And Marco's yeah. still here. Mm.
2: Sean's still here.
1: Yeah, you I know. took it from Leonard down in uh HR. Oh,
2: he, Leonard's gone. Good. Fuck Leonard.
1: Leonard, Leonard? sucks. <laughs> Leonard, dude, he's he, gone. He,
3: God, we used to grab sandwiches every once in a while. He was all right.
1: No, he wasn't. He embezzled the dude, all the money from Pals Corp. Not to mention, not Corp.
2: to mention, not to mention what he did at the Christmas party.
1: We mm, don't right. talk about the Christmas party.
0: <laughs> all right, this is getting out of hand already, and we we're like thirty seconds into the show.
1: Well, Pete's uh, gone.
0: Exactly. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So Pete is uh, no longer with us. Rest in peace. No, just kidding. Fire. He'll be back next week. Rest (laughs) in peace. We wish him well in his future endeavors. No, no, he's he's still here. Uh, Unfortunately. In the living
1: world, but not with Palscorp.
0: (laughs) Palscorp is not a thing. That's
2: That's not real. The shell company we have (laughs) to it's it's not real, guys. Yeah, no, it's not real.
3: Wait, guys, that's that's the account I funnel money to. uh...
2: Shut up. See, listen. (laughs) You can't talk about that. Oh, guys! I have on I have on this uh, on this list that I have here that we need to get more bleach for the laundry. <laughs> Do I not know what money laundering is?
0: <laughs> oh my god! You know what? <laughs> Enough of you. All right. So I need a Thomas now. If you couldn't, if you couldn't tell from the. Uh, the comedy stylings of kale ward you're listening to the comics pals thank you for joining us we appreciate you guys want to let you know where you can find us all over the internet of course you can always find us by typing the comics pals into a search engine will come up and if you want to find us on a podcast hosting platform whichever one it is that you choose you can find us there at the comics pals on social media we are the comics pals you can write to us at thecomicspiles at gmail.com, and, but certainly not least, on YouTube. Right now, we've got all of our New York Comic-Con interviews. We've got Fill Me In from New York Comic-Con, which is a, a little a little skit that we, uh, we like to put together and present to you guys every year.
1: Skit? Mm, I think it's just hard-hitting journalism. Uh, S- yeah.
2: CNN-level reporting. I don't—what do you mean?
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, yeah, well, we find out whether we find out why people think crime is funny, like the Joker. It's some real hard hitting journalism. It's kind of a documentary this time.
2: Oh, I see. I see what your problem is, Sean. It's full of clowns, so <laughs> it's more like
1: Fox News, I guess. <laughs> Welcome to the comics, pals. Full of clowns.
0: <laughs> sure. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about today. Uh, Alan Moore is in the news, and whenever Alan Moore is in the news, it's uh, well, it's Alan Moore in the news. Um, <laughs> a snake somewhere has charmed a baby, <laughs> and we are going to be reviewing Marauders number one for you guys, or number, number two. two, number two, number two. Uh, number one Flushed was so good, I want to read it twice. No, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. You
1: said number two. I'm sorry, I was confused.
0: All right, that's disgusting. Uh, even know if, so even know if I've been in a
2: bathroom, I could review lately. Hmm.
0: Before we get into all of that, and not Kale's bathroom uh, reviews, who the hell reviews bathrooms? Um,
3: it's helpful listen, news,
0: helpful for travelers. Listen,
2: I have been all over the world, and I have seen some bathrooms. Let me no, tell you a no,
0: new segment. Don't I tell call me. <laughs> don't tell me. All right. Anyway, instead of talking about that, we're gonna talk about Jack Black. What? Now, okay. Right. Yeah. I'm. I'm. I'm in. I'm gonna be honest with you guys. For years, I thought Jack Black was dead. <laughs> I thought that what? Jack Black was dead. I don't know why. After no, no, no. Goosebumps, I thought he died. <laughs> That's right. No, he he's yes. not dead in Goosebumps.
1: That he's not a zombie black. He's an actor now, he's playing a man he's dead. Now,
2: hang on. Yeah, <laughs> that wasn't that long ago, but and I, there has there there has been a second one of those. Was there
0: because I didn't know <laughs> yeah. about it. I thought he died. Well, anyway, uh. Recently, he was doing a press tour. Now, uh, the newly resurrected Jack Black was doing a press tour. They asked Jumanji him, has come out since then. All right. Well, I didn't know he was in that either. Uh, what? <laughs> and during the press tour, he was asked what superhero character he would like to play in a movie or villain. And so for the villain, he said he would like to play Lex Luthor. No. Oh, and for the hero, he said he would like to play the thing from the Fantastic Four. Oh, Uh-oh. I can see that. I think that both of those options are absolutely awful. So yep. it inspired me to want to ask you guys a question.
1: Welcome to the new segment of the week. Who should Jack Black play? <laughs> yes. Yes. He's-
2: there's something familiar about this, but I can't quite place it. Oh, something yeah, we that? something we used to do. What are we? It's a little but, random, but yeah, uh, the random. Mm, that doesn't matter. We can move on. The random week.
0: statement. <laughs> the, the random statement of the, the week. statement
2: of the day. Yeah, that was it. The, the organized statement of the day. That sounds right.
1: Hmm, hmm,
2: that hmm, sounds hmm. right.
0: Now I'll uh,
1: I'll check with engineering. They might know.
0: What what character would you like to see Jack Black play? And if you feel like just giving a really bad answer, that's fine, too. We do this segment every week. <laughs> I mean, when it comes to giving bad answers, you do. Damn. I don't know about Watching the rest of, that of that one. us. Now, uh, anyone want to jump Ooh. out the gate?
3: Uh, for a villain, there's that one X-Men villain who traps them in like these toys, in like, these big contraptions. Arcade. That guy. Is
0: yes, that I like that yeah. a lot, Marco. Arcade, that's, a good that's, an, that's legitimately, for real, a great answer, Marco. Yeah, I love that character. That ass. See, here, here's
2: my thing about this, and it's along the same lines as Marco, but I, I'm trying to avoid it. There are these characters who are, like, they're made specifically so that they're villains and they're, like, fat or, like, short. <laughs> yeah. And I'm trying to, like, I'm trying to think of People who I think would be really interesting without taking like their size into account, I guess.
0: What? Well, staying in the in the uh, X Men universe, what about Mojo?
2: Yep, that's where my head was. Okay, that's maybe I'm thinking of Mojo. Maybe I don't know who Arcade is.
1: A I'm superhero, thinking. though. I think I think I think we can do super villains. I think we got to think of a superhero now. Yeah, that one's hard. Work. I could uh, see him
2: doing an interesting Plastic Man. I know everybody wants um, uh, the guy who's doing Sonic right now.
1: Oh, Ben Schwartz! I don't like that.
2: Ben Schwartz, Ben Schwartz, and John Mulaney. People want his Plastic Man, but I can see John Mulaney uh, I is
1: c- good for Plastic Man. Damn. Yeah, I could he... see
2: I could see Jack Black
1: doing a good one too, though. All right, let's see. S- S- what about Jack- Wolverine? That's terrible. Yeah, you know Where am I Wolverine, guys? <laughs> that's basically what that sounds like. <laughs> you guys ready to rock You don't want that? That's that's
0: not cool. <laughs>
2: no. <laughs> uh, on that same level of arcade, there's a, a Titans villain who was in the um he's British. He was in the, the cartoon. Um it's not a, I think he's similar to like the Mad Hatter or something. The uh, Mad Hatter wouldn't be bad.
3: Yeah, that'd be um,
0: right. He that could be would, Toy oh, Man. If he played, like, a dark, weird, like, yeah. the actual character and not funny at all, that would be that would be cool, probably.
1: Yeah, I, I, I like that. I just had a hero. Hero. That's the real challenge here, folks. And I bet <sighs> all of you listeners at home are screaming into your radios <coughs> being like, it's obviously this character. We're sorry.
2: Mad Mod is who I was thinking of.
1: Oh, Mad Mod's a great answer. Mike Myers would be a good ma- uh, Mad Mod. Mm, agreed. I'm looking at like the Silver Age Justice League character roster, just thinking like maybe one of these guys. <laughs> like, I mean, he fit. could
0: just he could just literally play Superman, though.
1: Nope. <laughs> oh, he could do Batman, '60s Batman. I'm with it. Uh, actually, I kind of see hmm. '60s Batman. I kind of I kind of mess with that. All right.
2: Metamorpho might be good. Oh. Metamorpho
1: pretty damn good. I think that's my answer. Locked and sealed. Alright, well, um my answer is Daredevil.
3: <laughs> I'm the man without fear
1: <laughs> Watch me run up this you, building, dude <laughs> did, you,
2: did you not tell them they were the Lord's
0: Chiefs? <laughs> well, you know what? Go ahead, Kill.
2: Go ahead. To well to his credit though, like Jack Black, I think, is an interesting enough actor that while I don't agree that his Lex Luthor would necessarily be good, I think I, it gives me enough to be interested by it. I think he could be a good Riddler. I, I begin.
1: Yeah, I can see it. <laughs> Sean is confronted by the daredevil. I thought you were dead. Nope, I was in Goosebumps too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's a good thing that that he's alive because. You know, that does give us the opportunity to do this bit. So,
2: Kung Fu Panda 4. Congratulations for being alive. That's the, that's the, like, if he does nothing else, I'll be happy as long as he's in Kung Fu Panda and keeps cranking those bad boys out. (laughs) Of
0: all the franchises that are out, I would, I definitely feel like that one should end. I've never even seen one. Me neither. They're they're still
2: good. Some of my favorite movies. Wow, shit. I didn't know this about you. I have, I have a, Poe action figure, right? Next to
1: your minion figures. Here. Because you love your DreamWorks That's wonderful.
0: Uh, It's it's so awesome that the audience can uh, see that. Right? So, there. (laughs) Moving right there. (laughs) Moving right along. Oh, by the way, if you want to let us know what character you think Jack Black should play, definitely do write to us at comicspals at gmail.com. And also, be sure to listen to our book clubs right now. Well, no. Tomorrow, uh, Secret Wars will be out.
1: Nice. Uh, if you're
0: listening to this the day it drops, so we'll be having the Secret Wars book club out for you guys. Uh, that was a good one. I really had a, a lot one. of fun. So mm-hmm. Secret Wars, yeah, yeah, definitely do check that out. We've got a ton, ton, ton of others. If you've never looked at our book club back catalog, go do yourself a favor. I'm sure we have a book, for, uh, a a podcast for you uh, based on one of your favorite books. So
2: I think we have a playlist where they're all connected uh collected
0: on Spotify on yep. yeah. uh, yeah. uh on SoundCloud. I think SoundCloud. That's what I meant. Soundcloud,
3: yeah. There you yeah, go. it's
1: great. So, it's my favorite thing we do. Like we range from classics to kinda newer books that are indie and stuff. It's it's great, man. There's a book for you, I'm sure of it.
2: But... If you're ever sitting around going, man, these chumps talk about all this garbage news, why don't they ever talk about a book? <laughs> we do. They're called the book clubs,
1: my man. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And while we're at it, uh we've been doing reviews for the Watchmen show, HBO's Watchmen. And uh you should definitely check that out. Kale and I have been doing those. They're a lot of fun. I really shine on those episodes. You suck on those episodes too. Uh that's that show is is really, really great. I think that a lot of you guys that are listening would enjoy it. Uh, it it deserves a chance. I'm talking about the the actual television show. Of course, our podcast is even better than that, so you definitely don't want to miss that. Hell yeah! Uh, it it for sure deserves a chance. Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, let's move into the pals' polls. Uh, Phil and Kale didn't have any, so you guys suck. Um, we don't
1: like reading.
0: What, do you you, even read comics? No.
2: (laughs) I read graphic novels.
0: Oh, God, get out of here. Um, So, first off, Marco chose John Constantine, Hellblazer number one. Yeah, boy. So, this is Cy Spurrier.
3: Uh, He's a writer that I I very much enjoy. Um, He's he's hit or miss for a lot of people, but I get a good kick out of him. So, uh, I saw he was coming to this book. I was really excited. And then... Uh, the artist is Aaron Campbell and I was rattling my head I'm like where's Aaron Campbell from I've heard that name I know that name and then uh, I finally realized I'm like, oh my god Infidel I-, I didn't even make the connection yeah oh. so, like, so like Constantine a magic horror book uh, we obviously did speaking of book clubs earlier uh, Infidel a couple months back and uh, so yeah I'm-, I'm looking forward to this Psy plus Aaron Campbell that's gonna be dope is this a black label uh, no, it, I think they're all in DC now. Part of... Oh, I lied. It is Black Label.
2: Oh. Look at okay. that. That might actually be good then.
3: Yeah. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to it. And be- uh, Jordy's on colors, so
0: I'm there.
2: Yeah, that's solid.
0: Uh, did you guys ever see the Constantine movie? No. You you
2: mean the only movie? That's the <laughs> only movie, Cal? <Kel? laughs>
0: the, it's the only movie. So you, so you liked it then? I enjoyed it.
2: it. I think it's I, it's not the best movie, but it's I, I do think it's underrated for what it is.
0: Hmm. I like that uh, movie quite a bit. I went out in a snowstorm to see that movie. Wow,
1: shit, that's legit. Yeah, you don't like going yeah. in the snow. I know this about you.
0: I hate the snow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Anyway, I don't know why I had to say that uh Swamp Thing <laughs> Giant number 2 uh also by Marco by Marco he wrote it yeah well so done, buddy. Uh, oh shit Congratulations.
3: So this yeah thank you so this is featuring my my newest story the Muck encrusted Man um and as you sounds, can imagine it's like a
2: Marco book yeah yeah
3: as you can imagine um i come out i am swamping and for those of you who don't know, uh, I, I've, I've for years been the elemental. So yeah, come come hear about my escapades.
1: Well shit, I learned a lot today, guys. Uh,
2: Recently, <laughs> Dan Slott mentioned that uh, back in the day, the Fantastic Four used to be written in the style that they would call up Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, and they would dictate their uh, adventures to be put in, to be written and put in the comic book. That's what Marco does. <laughs> Um,
3: oh. No, Marco, but seriously, what's
1: going on this week, man?
3: No, but 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 seriously, this has two stories by a couple artists that I really like. Uh, Mark Russell writes the first story, so this is one of those giant size oh. issues that they've been doing, um, alongside like the Walmart prints. Yeah. Um, so Mark Russell is going to be doing this with Marco Santucci. Um, they have a story together. Then Phil Hester and Tom Mandrake, both artists that I oh, really enjoy, yeah. um, are going to be doing some stuff. And then they have a couple reprints. And of course, I support all things swampy. So, go pick this up. make make it Make it known that you want a season two.
0: Awesome! Yes, I I uh, <clears throat> I didn't get to finish. I only watched the first uh, two episodes. Oh, dude! But no, I, you're I the reason really, I got canceled. Then. I would really like to catch up on that show. Uh, I just gotta get the the app. But um, yeah, very cool. Uh, I chose Fallen Angels number two. We reviewed that on the show uh, a couple weeks ago, and you guys weren't as high on it. But it was uh, last week. Was it last week? So why is number two coming out already? Am I crazy? I, yeah. It's definitely out, though, right? Like, Am I the next only one who the, saw it on week. the list? Yeah. No, next week.
2: <clears throat> is it next week? Wow.
0: Whatever. Hey, uh, you guys weren't as high on it. I really, really enjoyed it, um, and I'm excited for more. I think, I think this book has a lot of potential. And it's definitely in a style that I really like. It was, uh, you know, it was a, a book that a lot of people hated on, but for me personally, it it uh, checked all the boxes, so I'm right there for it. Uh, and then something that I'm really excited about is the Matrix Comics 20th Anniversary Edition. So I Whoa. am a massive Matrix fan. I love the Matrix, and I didn't know that there were comics for the Matrix. So this is actually the perfect timing. They're coming out with the fourth movie. Um, they just re-released the film earlier this year and I got to check that out. So this is like a perfect cap on the year as a Matrix fan. If you are a Matrix fan, this is the re-release of the nineties and uh the, the late nineties, early two thousands Matrix comics, some of which were actually written by the Wachowskis. Uh also contributing is uh Neil Gaiman. Um uh, and a, and a, a few other like very very notable comic comic creators. So if you like the Matrix, uh, this is a an awesome um, supplemental material to the overall Matrix story.
3: That's really cool. I, uh, I I knew that they've done that they had done stuff in the past, um, but I had never like gone back to sort of check it out. I, I'm I'm a I'm a, a big Matrix fan as well. But like to hear that they're coming out with this thing is awesome.
0: Yeah, this is a an easy purchase for me. I I can't wait to have this in my hands. And it looks really nice too. It has uh uh unreleased, um never before seen, you know, uh content and stuff like that, so definitely worth a pickup. And uh last plug for that, the there's some pin up artwork in it as well that is gorgeous. So
1: I was just gonna ask, is your favorite Matrix movie the second one
0: or the third yes. one? Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Listen, i want to tell you right now That I love all three movies mm. And I don't even want to entertain A conversation about them being bad I'm not interested okay. I love them and nothing will change that
1: You know what?
2: They've, well that means they've got to be on the same level as Kung Fu Panda then. Oh my god
0: That's The best films on the planet That movie is crazy bad
1: no you know what
0: don't know about that hmm. I've actually never seen Kung Fu <laughs> you know just, what <laughs> I'm just messing with you <laughs> that's funny because I've walk never out, walk outside story. the bit here <laughs> oh man Sean right. what do you
1: think of Jack Black playing Neo
0: <laughs> <laughs> Wait, has that ever happened? Like as a, as a as a goof, like MTV surely Music Awards big, yeah. or something? <laughs> I
1: don't know. <laughs> MTV Music Awards, so that
2: specific.
1: Was right, <laughs> that was yeah. right
2: around. That was right around when he got super popular. Sure, surely. sure.
0: When they used to do those like those those fake movie skits.
2: Yeah,
1: he's wearing like a duster. I, I could see it.
0: If they haven't done that, they should do that. I, I bet think. they've done it. It sounds like a thing that would happen, uh, but who would play Morpheus?
2: I feel like I feel like if it happened, I have this now. Now that Phil and and Sean have brought it up, I feel like I, I remember seeing the, um, the famous scene from the second one where he fights all the Agent Smiths. Yeah, <laughs> and it's Jack Black.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: like. Maybe yeah. I'm making that up, but I feel like I remember that.
0: This is random, but does something like that happen in Kung Fu Panda? by chance? Yeah. Yes. I, yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's why yeah. I remember. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's so funny. <laughs> oh my goodness! Shit.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna Google this. You do that. Uh, meanwhile. I have the unfortunate responsibility of reporting to you guys that uh, uh, legendary comic creator Tom Lyle has died Uh, he unfortunately passed at the age of 66 this was confirmed by the Savannah College of Art and Design Lyle's known for a lot of things Um, he's one of the creators one of the co-creators of Stephanie Brown slash spoiler um Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, He worked a lot on on Robin alongside Chuck Dixon. Um, He did a lot of work with uh, Spider-Man, the Scarlet Spider, um, and stuff like that. Um, He he unfortunately had an aneurysm uh, and had to undergo surgery to try to remove the blood clot. Um, he did, he was put into a coma, um, it was, it was medically induced, but, um, unfortunately they just couldn't, uh, couldn't keep him alive any longer. And, uh, so yeah, you know, rest in peace and thank you for all your contributions to the industry, uh, creators, uh, you know, poured out support for, uh, Tom Lyle's family, uh, there were, as you can imagine, with something like a medically induced coma and, a, and a, an extended hospital stay, there were a lot of hospital bills um, that unfortunately weren't were left uh, with his wife, Sue, Sue Lyle. And so, um, you know, if you want to contribute, help her at all, there is a GoFundMe for that uh, that you can contribute to. Um, yeah, again, rest in peace. Are any of you guys familiar with any of his work? I
2: didn't, I guess I didn't realize I was. I know he, he, he made, he created the Scarlet Spider. Um, but yeah, I was a, a big, big fan of, of, of that era of Robin. Um, and I, I, guess I didn't realize that that was him. That, you know, that was well before I started like paying attention to creators, but.
3: Yeah, I, uh, I, I didn't personally know his work, but. It's always a shame to hear, you know, the sort of the aftermath and situations that a lot of these artists are in. Um, it's not an, an uncommon story to sort of hear that, you know, they can't afford their their bills, they can't afford, you know, certain living standards. So I think it's also just like a a quick highlight on on the state of where we sometimes leave creators.
0: It's it's interesting. Uh, how, and and I think this speaks to what you're saying, Marco, is how, and, and, and what Kale said, I am familiar with his work, I just didn't know, and this is one of the only industries I can really think of where that happens, you know, um, like, if you've read a book, you, you, you know who wrote it, right, um, and you're familiar with that person especially now you might even follow that person you know if, if it's a modern book by you know a, a modern writer uh older comics older comics creators a lot of times it's just like they're forgotten you know and it's really really unfortunate and I know that the industry does have certain things that they do to try to help out creators um mm-hmm. uh, what's the the comic book uh, legal defense fund yeah So we do have that, but you know, listen, we're going to talk later about Alan Moore and some of his issues with the industry. One of those issues, as you well know, is the way that he feels he was mistreated by corporate comics and a lot of, he's not the first or last creator to have problems with with corporate comics and with recognition and with proper pay and things like that and so you never want to see a creator who contributed something like Spoiler and Scarlet Spider to the industry, two staples, right? And 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 dies with nothing. You know that sucks. So I, I'm not saying that that's the industry's fault necessarily. That he you know has these bills or whatever. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that it would be nice if there was some way to help him. That that did come from the industry, but
2: <clears throat> uh, comics needs a union, man. Like. <laughs> something to, you know, help out these freelancers because that's I mean, that's the majority of what these these people are and, and these big two specifically the big two like are owned by multimedia conglomerates that make billions on billions of dollars every year but they don't give their freelancers health care.
1: Yeah and and how many times do we see this story? You think of the whole thing with Neil Adams trying to, you know, get DC to pay for Siegel and Schuster. think of Bill Mantlow, creator of Racket Raccoon, That's what I was gonna bring up, yeah. Who wasn't taken care of until Guardians of the Galaxy came out. This is it's a constant uh it's a constant story here in the industry and nobody and I mean nobody should have to live their older days and squalor like that.
0: Yeah. But, again, thank you for the contributions, and, you know, we will absolutely, I think a lot of people will be revisiting uh, some of this work. <clears throat> it's unfortunate it takes this to happen, but I'll leave the last word with Dan Slot. Sorry to hear that legendary Spider-Man artist Tom Lyle has passed away. Tom's work on both Spidey and the Scarlet Spider were epic. That Scarlet Spider design, Tom's design, will always be an amazing touchstone for Spidey fans like me and all generations past, present, and future. So there you go. (sighs) Moving on, uh, we have an interesting story. So, we talked last week, I think, about how Joker... Uh, crossed the. Oh, God. No. Oh, he's here. Nope. Nope. No, he's not. That's oh. just
2: Phil being silly. Uh, <laughs> Thank God, he's scary. He's
0: <laughs> like a guy that thinks crime is funny. So, um we talked about how Joker crossed the billion dollar threshold, which obviously is major. And of course, that's going to mean that sequel talk will come up. And so, that led to The Hollywood Reporter putting out an article uh, last week that, that claimed that the Joker sequel was in the works, and not only that, but that Tom Phillips had uh, signed on to make other movies for DC. Now, if you recall, way long ago, we reported that Todd Phillips had pitched a a, a, a black label, essentially, for film. Originally, oh. DC didn't want to make Joker movie. They were a little bit uh, worried about how that would be received by audiences because Suicide Squad had just come out, and that had Joker in it. So Todd Phillips said, well, what if we just create an alternate label where we can make these kinds of one-shot movies that are just or tour driven. And DC told them slow your roll. Don't do that. Make one movie and we'll see what happens. So, they made the one movie. It made a billion dollars. And the Hollywood Reporter says that uh now they're they're full steam ahead on this big plan that that Todd Phillips has. Okay. Nice. So, almost immediately after that, that report was uh refuted by deadline deadline put out an article and said that, uh, this was, uh, patently false. Uh, specifically, they have a quote that says no deals for a sequel, nor even any negotiations with director Todd Phillips or his co-creator or co-writer Scott Silver. So, uh, it, 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 the meeting that allegedly happened between Todd Phillips and Toby Emmerich, who is uh, the film chief over at Warner Brothers, uh, they're 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 using that meeting as, as a way to say that this whole conversation happened and that there was, you know, contracts, and that is flat false. They even go as far to say as the article is clickbait, which is very harsh. That's very harsh. Uh So then to make matters worse, Todd Phillips himself came out and spoke about this with IndieWire and he recapped what I said earlier about what, what the label was, this whole idea and everything else, uh, And then he went on to say, Well, a movie doesn't make a billion dollars and they don't talk about a sequel. Joaquin and I have publicly said we've been talking about a sequel since week two of shooting because it's a fun thing to talk about. But the THR article was referring to other things than that that were just frankly untrue. Here's the real truth about a sequel. While Joaquin and I have talked about it, and while touring the, the world with Warner executives going to Toronto and Venice and other places, of course, we're sitting at dinner, and they're saying, so, have you thought about anything? But, talking about contracts, there's not a contract for us to even write a sequel. We've never approached Joaquin to be in a sequel. Will that happen? Again, I just think the article was anticipatory at best.
1: <laughs>
0: so, it's, it's, it's an interesting rare situation where two trades these are the two biggest trades are you know kind of warring it out over you know this joker film what do you guys make of this situation
2: either way it gets them what they want you know on 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 both ends you know so i think even if the clickbait accusation is false even having that notion gets them the clicks they want yeah so you know true or not like they're still getting the clicks so you know i don't know it's whatever
1: um i, I think yeah the go joker ahead. movies crazy and twisted I'm really
0: just like worried. you right
1: yeah <laughs> um <laughs> I'll tell you what, the thing that really pops to me is the idea of filmmaker-friendly like comic book movies. Mwah! I love the sound of that.
0: Yeah, I mean, me too. Uh, I'm not necessarily sold, even with the success of Joker, on the idea of this label. Uh, I, I don't know if... I mean, this was... Todd Phillips had an idea to make a Joker movie, and that's great. Not every creator, like I I would hate it to become a situation where it's just like, Hey, you pitch us your Lex Luthor movie. You know?
1: No, I don't think it should be that.
0: I don't either, but I think that what could come up out of this is a situation like that. If it's a label, if it's a, if it's a thing where it's like part of the machine, that's what happens.
1: Yep. Mm -hmm. No, you're right. And I agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, i I think i think you see really fresh innovation when you have a filmmaker who has an idea for a movie like uh todd phillips and joker or um uh james mangold and uh logan like when a person has an idea for something that's different and it's their vision i really wholeheartedly believe that that should be made um it's very clear in today's Uh, box office climate that superheroes and uh, comic book based adaptions are hot and so while you can have movies made from an engine like what you know um, uh, Disney's doing with the Marvel movies I think having one movie every year or every other year from a filmmaker who has an idea for a character is terrific and that should be explored
0: yeah
3: yeah I agree with that and I think from a business perspective DC needs something And if this is the something that they're going to lean on, I think it's probably smart to kind of hedge your bets on it um, and like, like kind of go in. But to your point, it's, it is just the one movie. Um, They probably need like another two or three to really be like, okay, this is like a thing that we're definitely going to expand upon. After this, it's either the sequel or another one and whether or not that auteur sort of vision works, um, they'll probably gauge it from there. But right now,
2: cut up in the air for me at least i guess i also wonder how many directors and writers they're going to be able to approach before before they get to a point where it's like all right i guess we should probably start talking to the actual comic book people because you got to think like you know and and you know this this is a bit um uh, it's a, a bit of a blanket statement and an oversimplification, but you got to think like a a filmmaker probably wants to make their own film, not, you know, something like Joker, which is a property based on, you know, someone else's um, character.
1: I, I think I, I don't think that's I mean, you see it in comics, right? You see people who make terrific dark horse or image books or or boom or whatever. And at the same time, they have a very distinct and creative vision for these characters that have just penetrated all of culture over the last century. Uh, So while it's true, a filmmaker is obviously also going to have ideas for their own stories with their own plots and characters or whatever. But I think there's still something to be said for a filmmaker who is inspired by one of these characters that is just so pervasive through all of culture and put their spin on it. And Joker is one of maybe five characters that all of culture recognizes from comic books.
0: Also, when it comes to Joker specifically, Todd Phillips told walking Phoenix, listen, man, we have an opportunity to make a, a, a you know, a real film here. and, if it wasn't called joker they wouldn't give us the money for it so let's do what we can with this property there's a lot of interesting stuff to mine here let's tell our story within this you know this this joker world and if you watch the movie it definitely feels like a like a joker story or like it could be a joker story but I can easily see how if you just took away all the DC property parts of it, it would still function as a movie in its own right. It, it would it, it would work basically the same way.
1: Yeah, I think that's true. And, and so I say I, that
0: to say that I'm sure there are a lot of creators who would love to tell a story about a specific thing and you can take a character who fits with that, with that central idea and, and make a movie out of it.
1: Yeah, and I, I think I think that's very true, and I think, I think that was true with Logan. It seemed like James James Mangold had like a Western story he wanted to tell, and he found a way to make it fit in like an X Men setting.
0: Exactly, and and you know, in a in a different way, just because that movie has a lot more, you know, CG CGI and things like that, you could say the same thing about Logan. If you take away the X Men elements, there's still the core tenet of something there that is really good without being a Marvel movie. But um, go ahead. It
1: it it begs the question of of what, what could be next. And with something like this, where it's completely open ended, uh the possibilities are kind of limitless.
0: <sighs> yeah. You know what though? I don't I don't think I want. I think I want it if it makes sense, right? But I don't want this to become a new thing that DC's doing, and quite frankly, I loved Joker. I don't know if I want to see. It.
2: <laughs> yeah, I would. I think I would rather see, I, and and maybe I'm just looking at it a bit too narrow. But I would rather see an autor driven Superman movie, or you know, an actual good Justice League movie. By someone who does actually have the vision. Sure, of course. You know, so so not just not just looking at the, the villains or whatever, but right. opening that up.
1: Um. Well, I have a I have an exclusive here, guys. I have a, a juicy sluicy, as I like to call it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So get this: the next movie in this label, Michael Bay Swamp Thing. Really, huh. plants exploding everywhere. <laughs> the swamp
3: is a war zone.
1: <laughs> Marco, you went on this.
3: You know what I was actually thinking? Uh, oh an, no! An, <laughs> an, uh, an auteur movie about Wildcat in the fifties, like yeah, going dude. through uh, like an organized boxing ring, yeah, like, like an organized crime boxing thing. It's like, uh, sorry, I was daydreaming while you were saying that. Uh, you know Phil, what? I'm sorry.
2: You want to bring up that Scorsese, that all that Scorsese bullshit? That's one I would, <laughs> I could see him doing and Fucking having S. a good time with.
3: Raging Bull, too.
1: Um, I, I never. It's, it's endlessly fascinating to me how much you're like into boxing, Marco. Without yeah, being dude. Into boxing. I'm Puerto
0: Rican. I was just gonna say that. Yeah, like, Don's that, into boxing. Is that a thing? Yes. Oh, is that.
3: Oh, it's okay, Sean. Sorry,
0: Sorry I'm white. I don't.
3: <laughs> Sean was like, yeah. I was like, I don't get it.
0: Well, you know, listen. Uh, we don't all know everything. Uh, so the swamp <laughs> is a war zone.
1: <laughs> Skrillex is back in swamp form.
0: <laughs> what?
1: <laughs> Skrillex? He's back and he's in the swamp.
0: How about a Green Lantern? I think I, I like Green Lantern as a like you could you could really study uh, loneliness. Yeah. And hell yeah,
1: dog. Hell yeah. Him being an alien,
0: <laughs> like you know, it's always like oh, an alien comes to Earth. What's it like? You know, him being out there in space. You know, being the only human or whatever. I think that could be a really interesting film.
1: That's good as well. Hell. I like it.
2: Even even being an alien on your own planet, because he like you know he he's a man of multiple worlds for sure.
1: Yeah. Um. I I when but I was thinking that Grant Morrison's Green Lantern would fit pretty well as a movie, like I could I could see that toned down a little bit, but like like I I think that kind of thing could work. But I really like this idea of like uh extreme isolation green lantern movie where it's like yeah. procedural and like the things that hold his sanity together is like his his police procedural shit that like he has his code or whatever but like it's just it's challenged to the limits because of just how isolating and spread out space is it's good um It kind of made me think of this because you talked about these alien stories coming to Earth or whatever. Made me think of that Superman story that John Jeff Johns and John Romita Jr. did, where uh, they did like the inverse story where on a in an alternate reality, scientists sent a human baby to another planet and they become like a Superman figure there.
2: Huh. Interesting.
1: That could be a cool movie. Is all
2: I'm saying. Yeah. Who? uh, Any idea who you? think might be in uh would be good for something like that
1: I, I you know, like a, a
2: style or yeah the green lantern thing
1: yeah uh you know what alex garland would be really good at that he's the guy Ooh, who did annihilation good ex answer machina.
2: yeah good answer
0: ex machina specifically yeah
1: hell you can yeah, have oscar answer. isaac as your green lantern i think he'd be really good at it. oh
0: damn i think Fuck. we just made a movie guys
1: wow. hell yeah boys <laughs> phil
2: damn wow damn you just got me excited about a movie, it's not even real. Shit. <laughs> that would be so good.
0: <laughs> well, Damn, then. I'm really
1: proud of that on-the-spot answer.
0: Alright. Uh well, hopefully you guys are hyped for that movie. Uh too bad it won't be releasing. Uh stay yeah. tuned
3: for Michael Bay's swamp
1: thing. <laughs> Blow what <up> the swap. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Bay, Skrillex Swamp Thing. If you thought
3: humor was hot, wait until the
0: nuke arrives.
1: <laughs> okay. In the same vein, who's the most obnoxious choice for Swamp Thing in this movie?
0: Actor? Yeah, Jack Black. Ryan Reynolds, Jack Black.
2: <laughs> who's the guy that does Timon in the original? Uh, Nathan Lane. Oh, oh, god. <laughs> No, nah. I'm
1: swapping. <laughs>
2: Don't come into my swamp.
1: <laughs>
0: All right. Oh shit. That's too funny. Jesus. So, <laughs> last week we talked about uh Black Adam. We we finally got confirmation Black Adam is coming 2022. And uh we there were a lot of questions about how this movie might work, and so it didn 't take long for us to get an idea of what we might actually be seeing in this movie because obviously Black Adam is a villain most of the time, at least when he 's in the u s or really outside of conduct he 's a villain when he 's over there you know he 's their leader he 's their you know their hero so a long time ago. There were rumors that Hawkman would actually be in the movie, hmm. uh, and Star Girl. There was a there was a a, a a script that had leaked, I guess, that included those characters. We don't know the status of of that, whether that script got scrapped or whatever. But uh, the Rock recently talked about what co- like gave us some hints as to what we might see in this movie. So Kevin Hart. Was making a joke about how he wa- he wants to be in this movie, because uh, they're together in the new Jumanji film, and he made a joke about wanting to be in the movie. And The Rock said, "We're also gonna introduce JSA in Black Adam, so in JSA maybe there's a role for you. They have an animal, they have a pet, so that's a, a you know a dig at Kevin Hart. But the the meat of that is that they're putting the JSA in this movie." Not only that, but uh Umberto Gonzalez, who uh he he's he's always breaking news and stuff. Scoop he's a he's a, a scooper. Uh he says that the movie will also feature Dr. Fate and Isis. Hmm. Hmm. So huh.
1: that's a lot of stuff so, to cram into the movie. It might yeah. be it,
2: it might be along the lines of um the later Jeff John stuff in like uh 52 yeah Uh, right up to the point where the rock uh black adam you know the rock uh becomes a villain
1: (laughs) yeah so that's my question do you think black adam will eat pie in this movie sean
0: uh yes yes i do blaze trails yes i do
1: do you think he'll beat jabronis Marco,
2: yes is this a reference I'm assuming I don't know
1: my last question I'm sorry will he be eyebrow raising
2: hang on let me see if I can speak your language I just want to mm-hmm. test and see if I'm right uh-huh.
0: will we be able matter. to smell when he's crooking oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes brilliant
1: <laughs> that was for the millions and millions <laughs>
0: I really like the idea of the JSA being in this movie for the simple fact that, you, in my opinion, you cannot remove the villainous element of the Black Adam character from Black Adam. He has to be a villain. He has to be bad, and he needs an antagonist. Uh, you can't do Shazam because he's got his own franchise, so who do you do? Uh, The JSA makes a lot of sense. Black Adam is a Titan-level villain. He's a boss. And I think a team assembling, or an, an assembled team to take him down is really, really cool. Uh, I could see a scenario where they might have to team up for the greater good. That's fine, too, I guess, because I'm sure The Rock doesn't want to play just a straight-up villain. But
2: well, I think- he was...
0: He was part of the JSA for a time. He was
2: right, right. in in oh. Jeff Johns in yeah. Jeff Johns' run up to Infinite Crisis and and a little after. Yes. So for for me, you you introduce the JSA, and you've already got a character arc. Um,
3: like he's make spin, him like he's making off him, or something like baddie. Well, yeah,
2: yeah. Make him an established character. Give him a reason to turn and attack his team or have his team attack him.
1: That's your story. I, I think because they got The Rock, who I think doesn't want to be a black and white, uh, like villain type thing. I I kind it kind of is reminiscent of a Superman animated series quote with Darkseid. That's after Superman and Darkseid's final battle in that show, where Superman throws Darkseid to the the, the slaves of Apocalypse, thinking that he's liber- liberated them, but they immediately tend to him and. Darkseid says to Superman, I am many things, Kal-El, but here I am God. I think there's a similar mentality of Black Adam. So, I love that. yeah, and I think that's applicable to Doctor Doom and Laveria as well. So, I, I think I think the story is he's very queerly, uh, morally dubious, but his means accomplish the ends that are best for his people. So, exactly. While, so, while he may come at odds with the globe. Or even if there's a justice society in the movie, the justice society to him, he is morally uh, above what is happening, like whatever he's doing because it's for a greater ends. And I, I think that is how you draw the rock in to do it.
0: I yeah, I love that. Uh, we talked about this on the show last week, and I, had, I had similar thoughts. I think Black Adam is a complicated enough character that you can do. An interesting sort of hyper-focused character story not similar to Joker in tone or whatever but like the way that Joker really centered on this (laughs) character oh god and didn't feel like a traditional um, uh, comic book movie I think Black Adam is the only villain or the only other character no yeah villain uh, that lends himself like this to that type of idea uh, to me, better than better than anyone, and so I really am excited for this movie. Whereas I wasn't excited at all because of all the different things that can be done with this character. So we'll see, we'll see who's, what they do. Who's
1: directed Black Adam?
0: You know? I don't know if it has a director, okay. or if it, not that it, I don't know that it that they've announced it. I should say.
1: Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Okay.
0: Um. So Marvel has announced the Marvel Voices title. So Marvel Voices is actually a podcast that Marvel does. Um it's a it's an interview series and they just interview um uh, you know all kinds of different people for you know their their history with Marvel characters or <clears throat> you know whatever. Uh and now they're going to do a comic book it's not based on it which is weird uh, but it's I guess the idea is that it's it's allowing you know black creators primarily black um, black and brown creators to tell stories within the comic within the comics uh, and, and what's kind of cool about it is that these stories are taking place directly within the current Marvel Universe so as an example one of the stories that Will be seeing, uh, follows the X Men just as they kind of get to Krakoa, um, and so that that kind of slots itself right in there into what Dawn of X is doing, and it gives you incentive to pick this up if you care about you know seeing that story furthered. Some of the creators involved are uh, Roxanne Gay, Vida Ayala, um, Brian Stelfreeze, uh, Method Man. Nice, nice. Uh, David F. Walker, um, Anthony Piper. So a lot of the names that are on this list are lesser known names. But again, they're all black or brown. I kind of have a little bit of an issue with this. I see it two sides. And I want to present the sides and then hear what you guys think. On one hand... Sorry.
2: uh, Before you present your sides. I, I guess I'm confused. So this Marvel Voices is a podcast that's an interview series with uh, a st- we assume these characters uh, characters, uh, uh, creators of, of color. Okay. And they're making a comic based uh, on... Or, or they're making a comic with the creators specifically as like a spinoff of this podcast that is happening in continuity. Yes.
0: Okay, all right. So on the one hand, I really like the idea of a book that gives <clears throat> uh, minority creators an opportunity to you know tell these stories, and it does have that attractive hook of being place squarely within continuity on the other hand uh one of those creators is method man which is ridiculous and generally speaking i am not a fan of here's everyone black you know have at it where do you guys fall on that I think this is
3: a cool project just in general to have like to see these these creators come out on a book. Uh, I, I definitely hear you on the like, oh, here are these people. They're going to do a book. You should be excited because they're going to do it. But at the same time, there's a good mix of creators. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I mean, like, like similar to DMC, I think Method Man has been writing some some comics he's written some of his stuff previously um not to the same extent but i do think he has entered the the field previously um so i i don't know i, I kind of sit in a place of like like this is cool to just to see these creators but at the same time i hope that the quality is there so it doesn't reflect so it doesn't look like it's reflective of just a stunt because right. i think that's that's when you can sort of tell is when the quality sort of diminishes because it's like, okay, these people didn't put their effort or time because maybe it wasn't uh, something that was collectively collectively they, they had agreed to or wanted to. It was kind of just like picked by the publisher and it's like, hey, are you guys are being thrown into this book thing.
2: I think I think for me, the thing that bothers me is that all of these people have careers. Sure, I've yeah. Got- I've got a book from TKO on my shelf right now from Roxanne Gay. Vita Ayala is doing two or three series with Valiant, and she's got a couple of Marvel titles, I think. Yeah. She's got uh, Mobius and um, uh, something else along those lines. I can't remember the other one, but yeah. Uh, Method Man. He's He's doing Method Method Man Man stuff. Yeah, he's Method Man. Uh, (laughs) David F. Walker did uh power man and iron fist and uh, he's got a couple other things yeah these are all people who were already pretty well established in the
0: in the field not all of them i I don't think they i don't maybe i mean there are definitely names on here i don't know yeah the
2: only name i didn't recognize was that the last one luciano vecchio
1: well, I guess so. I think the most bizarre one is that I'm on there for some reason. Like, <laughs> that would be is really funny weird. Actually, I haven't written um, any Marvel books. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not a person of color. I don't know why they put me on this thing.
0: So, Kale, your beef is that this isn't providing an opportunity to someone who doesn't have a career already.
2: Yeah, that's yeah. Fair. Or, or someone, someone even further. You know, further, or er, earlier on in their career, yeah. And I, you know, I, you know, I don't know. No, never mind. I'm not gonna.
3: Well, well, no, no. I mean, uh, along those lines, uh, uh, Sean, w- would would it change your opinion if maybe it wasn't these batch creators, but a, a set of creators that who are underrepresented? Somebody like, um, uh, oh my god. Uh, Greg Anderson, LECA, which we've interviewed in the past, or like uh-huh. somebody like like Victor Dandridge, right? Like, like would would that maybe bring a better appeal in terms of it looking like Marvel actually wants to elevate these artists versus it kind of looking as that sort of stunt?
0: Yeah, I know that they don't. That that elevating the artists is not the focus of this because, uh, well, Kale rightly pointed out that. A lot of these artists and creators don't necessarily need that rub, but, you know, the focus is more about the the title itself. So, like, a great example is Marvel had Marvel 2 and one and they had other, like, anthology series that they would do, and they would give creators a shot, you know, like, hey, write an issue of this, and we'll see what happens. Yep. Yep. Um, and that doesn't really exist anymore, not as much sometimes they they do do I'm not saying they don't have like one shots and things like that that do exist, but a lot of times it's someone you already know uh I would like to see opportunities for more up and coming creators, but I don't know, I want to like ideas like this, but they 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 rub me the wrong way. they strike me as inauthentic, but what is authentic in this scenario right it's it's very murky water i want creators to get opportunities who don't normally get them so that's cool as a minority creator even even some of these creators who like we know right quote unquote yeah they still need a bump because sure. it's tough it's it's tough i don't know i come down a lot of ways on this go ahead phil
1: i don't think it's that big of a deal how many people are really listening to this podcast I don't think- <laughs> <laughs>
2: well yeah fair I mean, we have, I mean harsh but fair we have millions
1: of, pod, of listeners on our show like what, what are they drawing pennies like it's whatever
0: but yeah, okay fine whatever <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm just being a so the,
2: yes I, I guess I never even heard of this podcast so even the and I'm like I mean I'm like a Podcast for me is like my second industry. Like I, I follow podcasts, like I follow comic books, and I've never even heard of this podcast. Yeah, we talked about it fair. on this podcast. We did. Yes, we, oh, I must have been gone.
1: We, and we and Marvel has the other storytelling podcast they do too. But yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. But there's this um, thing. Go ahead. Well, there's this thing where like these. Giant conglomerations get into podcasts and it's yes. like, it you know, it's very similar to comics is where, you know, they get into podcasts and like, oh, well, now it's going to get hard to get sponsors and get picked up by uh, a network or whatever because... You know, we're not drawing. Mil- we're not the office ladies, and we're not drawing millions of listeners and downloads every every episode. Yeah,
1: well, speak for yourself. I got the corner office right now with the beautiful view over the city and the toe massages. I think we're doing all right. Thanks to Pal Corp.
0: Yeah, they ought to let us host a podcast. There you go. You're yeah. right. I'm a minority. We're already. all scientists here. Chance. We're
1: all experts.
0: Yeah, you're you're an expert, all right. You're Woo! an expert in pissing me off. Uh so <laughs> just kidding. Mar- sort of. <laughs> Marvel's voices will be back in uh, February, and so will this book. This book will drop in February. So, if you're looking forward to it, great. Happy for you.
2: <laughs> I I, I gen- genuinely, if there is someone out there who, uh, does listen to that show or. Is looking to pick up that book, please genuinely do write in. I would be very interested to see what you think of it. And like, like I said, I'm sure these are all, these are all established creators for the most part, so I'm sure it'll be fine. But
0: don't get me wrong; I'm going to buy it. Damn! All right, I have to. It's got a story yeah. about the X Men.
2: It's got it's it's got the the red and white company logo on it. Of course, you're
0: going to buy it. <laughs> you're damn right. I'll I'll shill uh, for Marvel until I die. a guy who is not shilling for anyone is Alan Moore. my boy he is tired of all of our shit <laughs> <laughs> uh I get it <laughs> uh, yeah so he really lit the industry on fire this week when uh, and and uh sorry an interview was published on alanmoreworld.blogspot.com. You can imagine what they talk about on this website. Good lord. Blogspot? <laughs> Blogspot. <laughs> Might as well get a GeoCities while they're at it. <laughs> <laughs> he He had a lot of really, really, really harsh things to say about the state of the industry, about fans of comics, about the takeover of the film industry, by superhero uh, movies, superhero comic properties, and a lot of people were mixed on the subject. So, I'm going to read what he had to say. I'm really excited to dive into this, because I'm dying to hear your thoughts as well. So, he was asked... Yeah. (laughs) What was the impact of popular hero comic comic books in our culture? Why are people fascinated by alternative realities? And Alan Moore said, I think the impact of superheroes on popular culture is both tremendously embarrassing and not a little worrying. While these characters were originally perfectly suited to stimulating the imaginations of their 12 or 13 year old audience, today's franchised Ubermensch, aimed yeah. at a supposedly adult audience, seems to be serving some kind of different function and fulfilling different needs. Primarily, Mass-market superhero movies seem to be abetting an audience who do not wish to relinquish their grip on A. The relatively reassuring childhoods, or B. The relatively reassuring 20th century. The continuing popularity of these movies to me suggests some kind of deliberate, self-imposed state of emotional arrest combined with a numbing condition of cultural stasis that can be witnessed in comics, movies, popular music, and indeed, right across the cultural spectrum. The superheroes themselves, largely written and drawn by creators who have never stood up for their rights against the companies that employ them, much less the rights of a Jack Kirby or Jerry Siegel or Joe Shuster, would seem to be largely employed as cowardice compensators, perhaps a bit like the handgun on the nightstand. I would also remark that save for a smattering of non-white creators... Are non white characters and non white creators, these books and these iconic characters are still very much white supremacist dreams of the master oh. race. <laughs> Whoa. In fact, I think that a good argument can be made for D.W. Griffith's Birth of a Nation as the first American superhero movie and the point of origin for all these capes and masks. Wow.
1: I meant every uh, um, word that I spoke, and I wrote. God,
2: uh, Sean, I I just wanted to clarify on the the date of this uh-huh. interview. Uh-huh. Um, it the interview was done in 2016 by a Brazilian writer, and, and then it was translated and published in 2017.
0: Okay, right, but it was. But interestingly, it was posted on this website. Uh, Just this week.
2: For his birthday this week, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's where everybody, uh,
0: that's why it's in the news. Right. Uh, So those are the comments. (laughs) What do you think?
1: It's like super depressing like how much he loved comic books 30 years ago. Yeah. Fucking loved Steve Ditko. He fucking loved Jack Kirby. And fast forward 30 years later and he is the most miserable man (laughs) in the entire world black chaos magic has ruined him
3: (laughs) it came off very much of just like i'm cranky i'm old these are now my opinions and they're right you're wrong shut up
1: he's not like wrong about everything obviously like his his commentary on, on 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 ownership of characters and compensation and stuff that's been sailing sure. for, for decades but when he gets into D W Griffith's Birth of a Nation as the first fucking superhero movie dude what the fuck for those of you who don't know that was a fucking movie made in the 1920s that was Ku Klux Klan propaganda <laughs> Yeah. Okay. What obviously you're trying to conflate the two. What a fucking misnomer. Yeah, and then like that superheroes
3: are the what is it? The white supremacist there's still like the character arcs of like the white supremacists, but like the Ubermensch. The Ubermensch, but like created
2: by these Jewish creators. One point I would push back on on that, because I have heard that float around is that he he was created that way created that way but also taken from those creators and used in various ways over the years so i, I don't i don't know about that
3: you're saying that the the characters are taken and made into it
2: yeah past because like i mean think about and and this is a a a dumb off the cuff example but like think about like superman's trunks like, those are, you know, representative of the, the old-timey um, uh, 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 weightlifter strongmen, circus strongmen. And there was a time where you knew—you could look at that and know what it was. The, the comparison that I, I'm making is that, like like, yes, he was created that way for a certain reason by these specific creators who are of a specific identity— but that was eighty years ago now. Right, right. And this character is still in popular in uh, popular culture, and and I'm speaking of Superman now specifically, I guess. But still in popular culture, and like he's been all over the map in terms of what he represents, as well as as well as being taken from his original Jewish creators
0: yeah and 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 the man child thing like okay fine but uh you know for me comic books uh save my life so i get that you know alan moore doesn't care about that but that i do and so you know that that bounces off me because at the end of the day this is something that gets me through the day and his magic or whatever gets him through the day and, you know, whatever it is that he does. So, you, you know, I I appreciate and enjoy and love uh, superhero comics and, and, and these characters. Uh, they've been with me since I was a child. He's a part of that. So I just think it's a little ridiculous.
2: Well, I think I think I think even just to push back on that a little bit, like. Tell you know, tell that to the 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 people who are hounding him about Watchmen and V for Vendetta. It's just like, listen, dude, they're just comics. Like, I think I you know, as much as he's you know old and and shitty about comics as they are, like they're you know, he's getting it from the other
0: end and has been for years. The, the, the other thing there is that every single form of entertainment on Earth, every single thing on Earth has shit people associated with it, and that doesn't poison the well. That doesn't make the whole thing bad. So, you know, to cut with, with uh, you know, to cut the grass with a blade and kill all the grass just because you have some weeds in there, that, that's not helping. That doesn't, you know, you you shitting on me when really who you're talking about is a very specific group of people, I don't rock with that. But I, I do want to shift the conversation a little bit. Kale mentioned earlier the timing of this. It was released on his birthday. Now, cor- cor- or coinciding with that, Alan Moore uh, talked about how he was going to vote, and he was saying that people... Uh, needed to make sure to go out and vote uh, in order to, you know, save the country. Now, his daughter, Leah Moore, or Leah Moore, is on Twitter and she spoke to all of this. And she said, uh, this whole, Alan Moore implores you to please vote and save our broken country from actual oblivion might have landed better if his birthday had not been spent noting that he clearly has not read any of the many wonderful modern comics that he might actually enjoy. This is a very long thread. She has a lot to say. I encourage you to read it. I'm going to read just a little bit of it. He has also clearly never watched any of the other rather enjoyable comics-based movies or experienced any of the joy, support, or inspiration they bring to millions of people. He hasn't sat next to a 10-year-old girl watching Captain Marvel or Wonder Woman for the first time. The idea that the man who loved superhero stories so much gave up his job and plunged recklessly into writing comics, which at that time was insane for him to do, loved them so much, he filled every panel with that love, loved them so much, he tried to make them into something that provoked thought and feelings, that addressed issues, that spoke to people the way superheroes have always spoken to him. That seems crazy to me. I have his collection of Marvel comics dog-eared from reading, from love. Uh, It was that love that made him who he was. In the 80s, he brought ecology and politics into his superhero comics. In the 90s, he wrote 1963, which was a glowing, fizzing fizzing love story directly to his beloved superhero comics. He wrote that at the same time as From Hell, Lost Girls, etc. Uh, His problem was that the medium he adored was ruled by corrupt despots that the people who made that magic were abused, that their contribution was not valued, that it was stolen from them. He already hated that before Watchmen. He already knew Kirby had been shafted. So when it happened to him, and then again, and then again, it wasn't just a business deal gone awry, or a bit of bad luck, it broke him. The thing he loved most, the thing he poured all his time and energy into for his whole entire life, he couldn't do it anymore. To see him dismissed as crazy old Alan Moore again and again and people not know what made him that way, to see people dismissing him when their job, their industry, their media was partly built on 40 years of his hard work, I am not heartbroken, just really disappointed. Can you imagine if he hadn't been screwed over if instead of being grumpy Alan Moore shouting from his cave he had spent the past 40 years putting out book after book for DC and the rest creating vast worlds full of the superheroes he loves enjoying comics it's a damn shame
3: nah I still think you don't have to be grumpy
2: doesn't mean you can be a dick <laughs> Go, um, man not all of us can sit and pluck a ukulele all day and feel good about getting fired <laughs> oh jeez wow (laughs) that's that's that got real (laughs) sorry buddy you can cut that out if you want to (laughs) Uh, (laughs) nope definitely stay good now (laughs) i just i feel like there's there's a lot to criticize alamore about but his his opinions about the 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 corporate culture around comic books, specifically the big two, because, you know, a lot of people forget that he, he didn't just do Watchmen and V for Vendetta for DC. He did Superman. He did Batman. He did Green Lantern. Like he, he worked there a long time. And, you know, to, to watch all, all, everything he did, Uh, like like the dude uh, the dude watched it he watched it all happen he watched Kirby's creations you know be stolen of all the things to criticize Alan Moore for it's crazy to call him just a grumpy old man because of his opinion about superheroes no, his opinion about the big two. Yeah,
3: the the big two, the big two stuff is valid. I think like his his opinions on like where sort of the comics trajectory are seem misguided, especially considering that according to Leia, she he hasn't he he's not staying up to date. Like I I I assume that that means you know the the aspects of the big two are all he sees, but that's from like thirty years ago. Like like the the industry's in a, in a in a slightly different place in terms of how accessible and how low the, the entry to enter into comics is now compared to when he was running it. I think maybe that context might enlighten him in a different way. But as of right now, these these are the ramblings of... like I, I, I agree in corporate comics, but that's not the only thing I play anymore. And I think that that still has to change the conversation a bit.
0: It's unfortunate Because I think what Leah says at the end about what could have been with Alan Moore is really sad. It's genuinely sad. When you look at Grant Morrison, who is probably the antithesis of Alan Moore philosophically, but creatively speaking, I would say that they're very much on par with one another. And the the beautiful contributions that we have gotten from Grant over the last... 30 years um if if we could have had that same creative juice from alan moore devoted to you know more big two work more just mainstream in general even if it wasn't necessarily big two, um that would have been such a beautiful way for the career of alan moore to go the fact that it didn't go that way, the fact that he will probably just be known when he dies as the the guy who wrote Watchmen and then became a douchebag is really sad because it isn't the whole story. Kale's right on that point. But it's the narrative that will persist, which is due to his own behavior as much as it is due to what was done to him. And so it really is sad. And I wish it wasn't that way. But I think that's how it's going to land. So, all right, Marauders. Marauders number two. Uh, we all, I think, enjoyed the first one quite a bit. Uh, this is Jerry Duggan. This is Matteo Lali. This is Frederico Blee. Um, Tom Muller, of course, on the designs. Uh, what would you guys think about this one? I wasn't as high on it as the first. I Yeah, I'm really
2: disappointed in this issue, actually. Um, I don't really feel like anything happened except Kitty Pride got to finally develop a look that is appropriate for the Hellfire Club. Yeah,
3: it was it was slow. Like, the the beats were all there, but I don't know, it didn't just tell me anything. So for, for me, yeah, I, I didn't feel like this issue made a lot of progress anywhere. Um I like the action sequences; they were a lot of fun. You know, getting to see the characters interact, and you're starting to sort of see how they all mix together. But
0: uh,
3: it was it was okay. Like, like the first one, I felt stood out, but this one was just like, it's okay.
0: Yeah, I I'm with you there. Um, the first issue had a lot of style and flair to it, and a presentation that really made it pop and uh, this one felt a little more by the numbers obviously the big set the big piece of this issue is really uh this conversation between emma and sebastian shaw that introduces kate pride as the red queen which doesn't feel as impactful because we already knew that that was going to happen it was so patently obvious um that it wasn't a surprise at all and to be honest I don't even understand how anyone involved with this thought that this would be a surprise. You got to think for
2: the surprise uh, that all of this was probably written, at the very least written before all this. Uh, So the fan speculation wouldn't have quite have happened yet. So I'm sure by the time this was written... They were still like, "Oh yeah, Kate Pride is the Red Queen against uh, uh, against Emma Frost. So that's a great idea. Yeah, what a surprise! Nobody's gonna see that coming." We did because you you made it that way. Great job.
0: Yeah, e- like even even before House and Powers were done, it was obvious. Like we talked about that. We talked about that on this podcast. I had two months ago. Yeah, I I had a whole thing. Um, I I
2: think I did too. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, but yeah, I think it's by design.
0: Okay. It just takes. I the, think it's what. I
2: think it's one of the few things we were able to predict.
0: It takes the wind out of the sails of this issue, though, is the problem. Mm-hmm. It, it makes it limper because it was so uh, uh, um, telegraphed, but uh i mean uh, go
3: ahead i was just saying i mean like i even think some of some of that conversation could have been shortened like they could have gotten to that point i think quicker they didn't have to sort of beat around the bush and you know um what is it emma sort of spin his wheels and and make him figure out his own mistakes kind of stuff Uh, i think they could have been more direct about it and but I, i guess that kind of goes back to kale's point like maybe they didn't know how to land at, at this point. Um, but I still think there was room to to chop some of this down.
2: The Emma Sebastian stuff. W- was interesting on its face. Especially toward the beginning and the end. Once you kind of realize what they're talking about. But yeah. Like Marco said. The, the bits sort of in the middle. Felt like they were just sort of dancing around
1: something. Mm-hmm. That's funny because the, the Marauders were dancing at one point.
2: <sighs> okay. <laughs> yeah, you, you, You're right, that's hilarious
1: <laughs> Thank you everyone uh,
0: Yeah, I agree I think that the conversation was a little long And they kind of re- retreaded the same ground Like, oh, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna abide by one of your little trollops Being on the council And, you know, blah 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 It's like, alright, we get it already Um, It just doesn't feel like if this feels like an issue that was simply that simply exists to do one thing, but that one thing was so obvious that the whole rest of the issue suffers. If I didn't know that Kitty Pride was going to be uh, the Red Queen and that was like a big surprise, then this issue may have been better. But because that was known and that's the only thing that happens, this yeah. issue holds no weight. Um The fight with with Batrock the Leaper was just stupid. I mean, there's no chance in hell that Storm that he lands one hit on Storm. Um, that just annoyed me, but that's the the nerd in me. Um, <laughs> yeah, who is this guy? He's Goofy. He is Goofy. He's yeah. a, he's, a, he's an old Captain
2: America villain. He's he's in uh, the Winter Soldier. Yeah. The uh, the film. Oh really? Yeah.
0: When they're on that boat.
2: He, he's the guy that uh, that makes uh, Cap take off his helmet. He says something like a real warrior doesn't fight in a helmet or something. It was like the shield.
0: Shit. He told him. He told him. You know, fight me head to head, Don't use the shield.
2: Um. Why does he take off his helmet then?
0: Because it's Chris Evans.
2: That's right. He, all right. Yeah. Fair. Um, <laughs> the the other thing about this issue that really bugged me is that it. The other big thing is that they find out that Xavier is killed. Yes. And it's like, okay, come on. I know, like, let's come on, fucking, (laughs) and even even their reactions. Like, I didn't care about it, (laughs) like, because they 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 didn't care about it. They're just like, ah, he'll come back.
1: Maybe I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, you can't play like they've uh, they've effectively like taken death away from the X Men, and so you when someone dies, you can't have a you can't have like a fake like, oh, they're dead, because like chances are. Coming back. And they make mention of that, and it undercuts any kind of emotional resonance, you know?
0: Yeah, this was handled better in. A little better in X Men number two. But even there, it didn't seem like Cyclops and co. were all that concerned about the death of Professor X. And it's just weird because, yeah, I know, we know that these characters can come back, but this is not you know, this isn't, uh, you know, Wolverine, this isn't Nightcrawler, this is Professor Xavier, who these characters assume is the only person who can do what he does. We know that that's not going to be the case, because obviously he's going to get resurrected, but they should be more concerned about that. The problem is that if they're too concerned about it, it redirects the issue. It redirects whatever Jerry Duggan has going on, and he can't tell his story. So this, these, these comics are so interwoven that you you almost can't have them. They, if they react to each other too much, then it, they, there's a pivot. If they react to each other too little, you get this.
2: It's also it's also like <clears throat> because they're so interwoven, you can't have him come back in. Say X Men number two because in between Marauders one and two, Xavier has lived and then died and then come back. So, so at that point, Bishop in this in in this book would be like, "Oh yeah, Xavier died, but he's back now. It's fine." <laughs> so
0: no big so deal. Like,
2: I get it, but I I I feel like I wonder what they could do to sort of pace this out a little better.
0: Uh, well. They, they come out too fast for that, right? So, because they're, they're, yeah, I suppose. it's a weekly story in different books, but each individual book is telling an individual story. Like the X4 story is the death of Professor X. So, all the other books will address it, but they can't forward it in any way. That's what makes it so weird. They can't advance the plot, they can only react to that story beat, uh, beat but they can't react to it too much because then they would be in that story. So it's just so weird. I've never really seen anything like this before. Even if you look at like events, you know, Civil War, very dense event with a lot of different tie-ins, didn't have that problem. Um, and that's an event. This is not an event. This is just comics coming out. So I'm very hopeful that this does not continue to be a problem over the course of the run of these books. But it did affect this title. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Which is a shame because this was my favorite title for the number ones. And after after reading this, I'm I'm like
0: uh, I don't know. I'm still into Kate and Emma though as characters. I really like what Jerry Duggan is doing with them. Uh, I, I've never been more interested in either one of them, quite frankly. Uh, maybe maybe the last time I was just interested in Emma was during New X Men by Morrison. Um, yeah, yeah, his characterization of them has been really strong. Uh, Kate, you know, and her turn has been really interesting and compelling for this character. I love her as a fighter. I never really saw her, you know, fight anyone, and so her abilities in that regard have been really cool. And um, yeah, I'm fine with the team. I love Pyro. I think he's been really interesting here too. Um, just as like a loose cannon, you know, dude. Um, but there's something I missing.
2: A, I have a continuity question, or maybe, maybe we don't know because of how things are going. Is it this is the is this the gay Iceman?
0: There, yeah, there sure is. There is only the gay Iceman. Older Bobby Drake goes.
2: It they're both is gay. Gay as well. They're both gay. Yeah. I I know they they both are. Okay. Yeah. That's what the sign of grace title was. Was older Bobby Drake coming to terms with that? Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's the continuity I
0: made. Okay. Um, go ahead, Phil. You were going to say something there. Not important. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> so a lot of people took issue with the artwork, particularly the coloring. In this issue and the prior one. uh, With specific focus on the coloring of Storm and Bishop. Because they don't look all the way black. They're obviously, you know, not, they're not light-skinned normally. They're normally, you know, a darker shade of black. And in this comic book, they're borderline white. So, a lot of people were very, very angry with that. Um... Did that, did you guys notice that at all? Did that bother you?
3: I, when comics do that, I don't take issue with it because you're still translating an aspect of what they look like. Like the degree of blackness, I don't think matters so much as it's understood that there's a representation for me. Um, you know, like, like there's Afro Latinos, but like, that makes sense because it's contextual in that. But depending on, I don't know, it, it, it for me, it's fine as long as it's understood that they are
2: not white. I think, I think for me, like, especially when you look at Bishop and Storm in comparison to Kate and and like Pyro. Like, they look like white people. You know? Uh, and I, I feel I feel like in each instance I feel like the light it doesn't lighten their skin that
0: much. Let me ask you guys this question. Uh, the character Gateway, who is the, the bald, the, not the bald dude, the old dude who's sitting down cross-legged. If if you only had this issue to go off of, what would you say he is? What's his race?
1: Uh, oh, he's a white give dude. Give me a second. I have oh, to look like, at him. looks like a white dude to me. Uh, let's see. But a I gateway. feel like it's a trick. The gateway. Where he at? Where he... Oh, there he is. Um... Oh, it looks like a
3: caveman. <laughs> he does. A little bit like... um.
0: Like that notwithstanding, like
3: Indian soothsayer.
0: No, no. Yeah,
1: he's he's a white guy. All right.
0: Okay, well, he's definitely black. What? Yeah, Gateway is one hundred percent black.
1: Not what I would have thought.
0: Right. Uh norm. Most of the time, I'm with you, Marco, and specifically with this coloring and this color artist. You can tell that he does weird things with color, because the whole book. Is colored interestingly, not necessarily bad, although it's not my cup of tea. But it's it's not typical or traditional. There's a there's a texture to it that's a little a little different. But yeah. Gateway straight up just looks like a white guy, like no no yeah. question.
2: Like that that to me, especially when you compare it to Bishop and Storm, like that to me sounds like a. Like he just didn't get a note or something, <laughs> like, like he was, you know, right. The the colorist. I mean, like, you know, he just didn't do his research on onto, onto who this character was.
0: Yeah, um, I'm inclined to agree with you there.
2: And that's not to defend it, but
0: yeah, I feel like people took this issue to task a little bit more harshly on the. Uh, coloring side than was that was necessary but i do think in the case of someone like gateway um it, it cannot be too difficult for the editor to catch that and go wait a second you know you need to um fix that you know but yeah, yeah. i agree with that i don't know um i
1: i uh, it's not it it, it it is like i didn't i didn't catch it any of that while I was reading it, but now that's brought up, it's kinda hard not to see. So I
0: I just didn't I just didn't feel much for this issue. Like it was fine. You know, the things that worked about issue one are there in a, to a lesser degree, but nothing happened. And for for me to want to continue to read this, more is going to need to be present than just Kate drinking and Emma Frost being Emma Frost.
2: Yeah, this issue really just straight up didn't do anything for me for the character we know as Kate Pride. Um and and with the last issue too, like I I guess her personality now is just that she's an alcoholic and she's a pirate. Like I don't I don't even necessarily even see where this is coming from. So I like I need more than what I'm being given for her to be the, the focal point of this series.
0: Yeah, there's nothing that came before House and Powers that I ever read that makes this make sense. Like, I understand that she's probably very upset about not being able to go to Krakoa. That makes... Like, I get that part. Um, but it does... She's not Wolverine. Like... <laughs> it feels like a pretty dramatic shift for a character who really never demonstrated these sorts of things. So, yeah, that's a good point.
2: And, like, I I don't know. This, this whole knuckle-tap thing feels like a weird character choice for her. And I, I don't know. It, I just... I don't get it. Other than, well, she's a pirate now. Better get some knuckle tats.
1: Is that a thing that you associate with pirates, Cal?
2: Well, within the connotation of this issue, like, and I guess pirates of the Caribbean, but, <laughs> like, I like I, I don't like I say I don't understand what her motivation for that would be within the context of this series and what I know of her character. Cause it's badass. But Kitty Pride is not a character who I would call badass. <laughs> like,
0: I really think what we're supposed to get from this is simply that not being able to go to Krakoa is so traumatizing and painful for her that it's, it's brought about this change in character. Um, whether that's believable for you as a fan of of Kitty Pride traditionally you know is really gonna be up to you like I'm not a fa- I'm a f- I like her right now because she's interesting but does it make sense for the character in my opinion no I don't think it no. does yeah yeah um but you know I don't think I think that there may be more. It may it may work better when we find out why she can't go to Krakoa. Is there some missing piece of context? Did something happen off screen that we don't know about that maybe um, has le- brought about this change further? Uh, there's tons of possibilities, and I'm interested in that story, but only for so long. Uh, other than the coloring, any other comments on the art?
2: not to, not to focus too hard on these knuckle tats but in that last oh my god in that last page they do not look very good they look poorly photoshopped on
0: yeah they do they look a little weird
2: uh emma looks great <laughs> though i really like the color on emma when she
0: uh turns crystallizes. to
2: her, uh, when she yeah crystallizes ah, i wasn't a fan of that
0: me neither no really yeah, yeah. i thought i thought her diamond form has looked far far better in other places yeah agreed um i honestly i really wasn't a fan of the artwork in this issue much um you know the total package just didn't work too well for me uh i thought i thought the book looked better last issue i'm not sure if maybe that's because of the release schedule i understand that you know um this book is, is being pumped out pretty quickly so that could have something to do with it but uh nothing really popped everything was kind of like standard and generic the marauder ship looked kind of cool um other than that though there were no real standout moments i thought emma was she looked really lame all throughout like I, i just didn't feel like she 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 looked super generic for most of the book and just didn't look quite like emma to me um and i mean if you look at the character on the cover of this issue and compare that to the same exact character Who appears in the issue The character in the issue Has absolutely none Of the personality in her face That the cover one does And that's not good
1: Yeah I think that's a fair I think that's a really fair assessment uh, All in all it's just, there's, there's not much to this issue from, from word bubble To art for me You know.
0: Yeah
2: yeah, I I kind of wonder if and and this isn't to speak to uh, the the Emma issue, uh, but I I I wonder if maybe the coloring is the problem. Because uh, I I like I like Lolly, I think he's doing some good work, but I think a lot of and maybe it's maybe it's not the color, but that's what everybody's complaining about. So I wonder wonder if it's the color.
0: I don't think it's only that, honestly, but that's just me. Uh any last words before we jump out of here?
1: Don't get a face tattoo like Pyros.
0: Yeah, he looks stupid. I don't know.
3: I just <laughs> Well if he <laughs> dies, if he dies he won't come back with it on, so
2: Will he? He also he also bites Batruck.
0: That was
3: funny.
2: I like that moment. That was a good moment. He's like, you don't kick
3: storm! Munch! I was like, alright, that was weird. Do you fucking...
2: Do fucking lights people on fire? Why is he biting people? Because he he can't kill
0: humans.
1: Oh,
2: yeah. (laughs) Man, I'd be the worst mutant.
1: (laughs) Rule! There are other (laughs) ways to torch people, dude.
0: That's true. Uh... All right, so that's going to do it for our review of the Marauders. Hopefully, issue three can turn things around because issue one was very promising, so we'll see. You guys will hear us talk about that when issue three drops. Um, let us know your thoughts about anything that we talked about on this episode of the show. We had some big topics, and we are definitely intrigued to hear what you guys have to say. You can write to us at comicspals at gmail.com. You can get us on social media at thecomicspals. Um, while you're searching for us on your podcast hosting platform of choice, you can always just leave us a message right there in the comments on whatever platform it is that you chose. And while you're doing all of these things, make sure that you leave us a rating, a like, um, those help us out so, so much. If you're on iTunes, make sure to give us that five-star rating. Um, it's super important to what we're trying to do here and, uh, it's free to do and it helps us out a lot more than it costs you. So Thank you for listening. And with that, let's get into the plugs. Kale. Thank you so much for coming and listening
2: to another episode of The Comics Pals. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Toto Into, but don't you dare Woo. come talk to me about anything that isn't Pokemon. Ooh. You come up into my life and talk to me about stuff that's not Pokemon, I will oh, I will cut you out of it so hard. Oh, holy shit. But if you do like the rest of my work, you can uh, find it at (laughs) Kaleward.com. That's C-L-E-W-A-R-D.com. Speaking of Pokemon, uh, you can find Pete at loud underscore Pete. And he and the uh, Lutzpots crew did a cool uh, Pokemon episode. Um, So I don't know. Do the work. Go find it. (laughs) All right. Marco. I don't care.
3: You can find me at Mr. Marco Anemoto on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, come talk to me about, oh, these TKO books that we got. Yo. Yo, yo
2: me and Cal have been reading them. They are Fuego. Um, uh, as an aside, real quick, I read Sentient last night and I'm mad that it ended. Yeah. It's so good. I'm yeah, dying yeah. to read that.
3: We're, we're going, Marin and I are going to the banks right now and it is quality. So yeah. very cool stuff. Really? Uh, there you go. I
0: oh.
3: them. There you go. <laughs> Surprise appearance. Um, but yeah, definitely come talk to us about that. It's been a lot of fun, and uh, come talk to me about random indie shit. It's my jam.
2: We should uh, we should try and do something Can to cover that.
3: Yeah, I think
0: spoiler. so. No. Nope. <laughs> no, we put that the show. <laughs> uh, and, and thank you to... Thank, <laughs> and shout out. Yeah, yeah thank you to TKO for providing that uh, to these boys. Uh, very, very much appreciated. And we will definitely be speaking more about those books uh, going forward. So, uh, Phil. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter where the
1: antithesis of Alan Moore follows me, Grant Morrison. You can follow me at CyborgBebop. <laughs> on both Twitter and Instagram and uh, tell me why uh, Jack Black would make a really really good uh, dupe from Ecstatics oh my god hmm.
0: okay uh, as for me you can find me on Twitter and Instagram only at Sean Soapbox hit me up to talk about boy oh jeez uh, hit me up to talk about Baby mm, no I don't want to hear about that anymore Jean Grey <laughs> or The Matrix. That's all I'm really interested in right now. Uh, so with that, we're the Comic Pile signing off. See Didn't you realize. next week here at Pals Corp.
3: Bye.
0: I
1: love corporations, so...